Good morning to both of you. Good morning. <laughs> Jolly good. My name's Ian Marlowe, and uh, I've got the privilege of talking to you about this fantastic story in the Old Testament where God tells him to stop. Actually, he's already stopped at that point. He's hit the wall. He's had enough. He wants to quit and go home. Uh, but for the story to make any sense, we've got to backtrack a bit and understand a bit of what's happened in Elijah's life up to that point. So this is how he bursts onto the scene. One Kings, it says, Elijah the Tishbite, from among the settlers of Gilead, that's all we know about him, confronted Ahab. Now, Ahab is the most evil of all of the kings of Israel. And he has some pretty strong competition. But this guy is the Voldemort of Old Testament kings. He is seriously bad news. And he says this, As surely as God lives, the God of Israel before whom I stand in obedient service, the next years are going to see a total drought, not a drop of dew or rain unless I say otherwise. That's pretty bold and extreme stuff. And it goes on. God then told Elijah, get out of here and fast. I mean, that's fast as in in a hurry, not as in not eating. Head east and hide out at the Kareth Ravine on the other side of the Jordan River. You can drink fresh water from the brook. I've ordered the ravens to feed you. Elijah obeyed God's orders. He went and camped in the Kareth Canyon on the other side of the Jordan. And sure enough, ravens brought him his meals, both breakfast and supper, and he drank from the brook. Eventually, the brook dried up because of the drought, and God spoke to him. Go, get up and go to Zarephath in Sidon and live there. I've instructed a woman who lives there, a widow, to feed you. So you get the picture. This guy is the Bear grills of Old Testament prophets. <laughs> He's into extreme campings in extreme wilderness and, to be honest, pretty extreme eating. I mean, I don't know exactly what the ravens brought him. It wouldn't have been a McDonald's Happy Meal. You can be sure of that. Probably scraps that people have dropped some time ago of bread. Lovely for breakfast. And meat. I don't even want to go there as to what the meat might have been like. He was one tough man. And right at the beginning of his life, he learns to trust God when it doesn't look possible. That's the first thing that happens. Then we find him in this woman's house, and he turns up. She's got just enough food for one more meal, and he says, will you cook it for me? That's a kind thing to say from a visitor. So she does. And then when she goes back for the next meal, there's just enough for one more meal. And then when she goes back the next day, there's just enough for one more meal. And this goes on day after day and week after week until finally her son dies. And she looks at Elijah and says, it's your fault. You love it, don't you? His first experience of leadership, only two people. One of them's died and the other one's blaming him. It's all part of his education. None of you know what I'm talking about, of course. And this is all part of God's training for this man, for the big confrontation, which is with the prophets of Baal, three years after that first call. He sets up an encounter. All of the prophets of Baal, which was the state religion, they had the money, they had the power, Ahab supported them. 
they were going to prove once and for all that they were the boys and this God of Israel that Elijah served was just and also ran. So they set up two sacrifices and the prophets went for it big time. It was noisy, it was wild, they cut themselves, they shouted to God and nothing happened. I mean, they went nuts in the way that religious people only can really go nuts. You know, do you, I mean, religion can get really weird sometimes. Have you noticed that? And they were really weird. And Elijah is staggeringly rude. He says, call a little louder. He's a god after all. Maybe he's off meditating somewhere. Or maybe he's gotten involved in a prof project. Or maybe he's on vacation. Uh, you don't suppose he's overslept you and he's waking up. Or as the Living Bible puts it wonderfully, maybe he's sitting on the toilet and can't come at the moment. I mean, it's don't do this at home to your mums and dads. They won't welcome that kind of language. And when the prophets of Baal have finally given up, Elijah turns to the sacrifice that he has and says, this isn't difficult enough for God, so let's dig a big trench around it and let's three times fill it and the sacrifice with water and then we'll pray. And so he just prays a simple prayer. There's a clue there for religious people to the one living God and fire comes down and consumes the sacrifice and everyone goes, wow, that's true. And then it all starts to go wrong for Elijah. This is our reading. It's 1 Kings chapter 19 if you want to follow, but this will undoubtedly be a different version. Ahab reported to Jezebel everything that Elijah had done. Now, Ahab was an evil man. Jezebel was a complete fruitcake and a seriously dangerous one. When she got mad, people died. She's like your mum in a bad mood, only a million times worse, <laughs> if it's possible to imagine. Jezebel immediately sent a messenger to Elijah with her threat. The gods will get you for this, and I'll get even with you. By this time tomorrow, you'll be dead, as dead as any of those prophets of Baal. When Elijah saw th how things were, when Elijah saw how things were, he ran for dear life to Beersheba, far in the south of Judah. He left his young servant there and then went on into the desert for another day's journey. He came to a lone broom bush and collapsed in its shade, wanting in the worst way to be done with it all, to just die. Enough of this, God. Take my life. Not the best prayer in the world. I'm ready to join my ancestors in the grave. Exhausted, he fell asleep under the one lone broom bush. You see, this great prophet, this tough, bold, confident character had just poured himself out and he had nothing left. Because like all of us, he's just a human being. And then he had what I think is a wonderful encounter. Suddenly, an angel shook him awake and said, some great revelation from God, get up and eat. He looked around and to his surprise, right by his head were a loaf of bread baked on some coals and a jug of water. He ate the meal and went back to sleep. 
the angel of God came back, shook him awake again and said, get up and eat some more. You've got a long journey ahead of you. Don't you love a practical angel? (laughs) He knew who God was. He knew God was powerful. But he was just so darn worn out that there just wasn't energy in his body or space in his brain to do any more. And the angel tells him to do the two things he needed more than anything else. Have some supper, have a kip, and then have some breakfast. Very, very practical. But we all need to get to the point where we need rest. So we read, he got up, ate and drank his fill and set out. Nourished by that meal, he walked 40 days and nights all the way to the mountain of God, to Horeb. When he got there, he crawled into a cave and went to sleep. Then the word of God came to him. So Elijah, what are you doing here? He says, I've been working my heart out for God. The people of Israel have abandoned your covenant, destroyed the places of worship and murdered your prophets. I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me. Then he was told, go stand on the mountain at attention before God and God will pass by. Now, I I wonder what Elijah was expecting. I wonder what's going through his head. God will pass by. A human being, a great ghostly, I have no idea. This is what happened. A hurricane wind ripped through the mountains and shattered the rocks before God, but God wasn't to be found in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire, but God wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, a gentle and quiet whisper. Must have been quite an experience. A hurricane wind. You see those pictures on the telly of winds just ripping buildings up into the air. It just must be utterly terrifying. Or an earthquake, when the one thing you can always rely on, that's that the ground doesn't move, doesn't work anymore, and everything around you is shaking. That must be awesome. Or fire? Who doesn't fear being caught in a raging fire? But God turns up in a gentle and quiet whisper. Now, my wife speaks Hebrew, which is the language this would originally have been written in. And she told me a fascinating thing yesterday. That's that the original Hebrew of the still small voice, the gentle and quiet whisper, actually says the voice of thin silence. Isn't that a lovely phrase? The voice of thin silence. So God wasn't in all these awesome experiences, although he made them. It was that moment where Elijah engaged with God in the silence for himself. I tell you, there's so much I want to know about exactly how he knew that was God's voice. Don't you? The frustration thing about the Bible is all the stuff you don't get told that you want to know. But I guess I'm not told because it's Elijah's story. And I have to work out what that looks like in Ian's story. And you have to work out what that means in your story. Let's finish it. When Elijah heard the quiet voice, he muffled his face with his great cloak, went to the mouth of the cave and stood there. A quiet voice asked, so Elijah, now... Tell me what you're doing here. (laughs) Bit of repetition going on. 
And he says again, I've been working my heart out for God and I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me. God said, go back the way you came through the desert to Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, make him king over Aram. Then anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, make him king over Israel. Finally anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat from Abel-Maholah to succeed you as prophet. Anyone who escapes death by Hazael will be killed by Jehu, and anyone who escapes death by Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Cheerful stuff. Meanwhile, I'm preserving for myself 7,000 souls, the knees that haven't bowed to the god Baal, the mouths that haven't kissed his image. Do you notice that? Twice, Elijah says, I'm the only one left. And then God says, no, there are 7,000 others. They're a bit quieter than you, which may be a good thing. But they're with you. You need to know that. So that's the story. It's the story of how this great man, trained on his own, learning through difficult leadership experiences, became the voice of God to an entire nation and then was so shattered, God needed to give him some rest, some food, so that he could finish the job that God had given to him. Go read the story. It's a lot of fun.